and welcome to episode 112 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. We have the E3 hangover, I think. I think we're uh, all... It is real. It, it, is, it is for real. I am very tired right now, uh, and I miss you guys. Like, miss you too. I know. That's Derek Heemsbergen, everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm Derek Heemsbergen, everybody on the boards, and uh, Rob is right. E3 hangover is real, but it's not because... Of the, uh, I mean, there's a lot of exhaustion on the show floor, walking around and doing all that stuff. But uh, just miss my friends, you know. Want to hang out with you guys? Aww. You just want to drink more Johnny Walker Black with me. That's what you it, want. It was all right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I. <sighs> Rob is a good, good bedmate, by the way. Aw, well, he doesn't I mean, kick you in the middle of the night or anything. As long as, I, yeah, as long as I'm not sweating profusely in like a nuclear reactor over here, but uh. Yeah, no, Derek you, my favorite bedmate as well. No. Uh, Ah, Derek is a good bedmate. <laughs> the only sound sleep I had, I think. <laughs> oh boy! All right, so uh, I was going to introduce you last Canadian, but I guess we'll we'll let you we'll let you jump in right now. So that's uh, Stephanie. There is no way in hell I'm going to pronounce that last name. So hard, Sibidlo. Sibidlo? No, 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 Sibidlo. There you go. All right, I I I'm going to forget that eventually. That will remind you. You you sound like a character in The Witcher. All right, I'm just. Throwing that one out there, like that that Eastern European, like Tris Marigold, Yennefer, Sabidlo, like there it is. I think it has to do with like cat, cattle herding, so I mean, yeah, it's got its uh, exotic roots. And Steph, this is your first time on the podcast. Hi, hi. <laughs> Steph's the one that puts up all of our Facebook media because Lord knows I don't ever want to have to do that again. So yeah. and she does a much better job than I do. She does a great job. So if you ever engage with us via Twitter or Facebook, it's probably going to be her most of the time. We have uh, another guy, Nelson, who does some of it as well, but it's usually Steph. So all of the all that witty stuff and all those cool pictures on Twitter and stuff, that's her. And she's a good podcaster, too. We've had her a couple of times on Rhythm Encounter, a.k.a. my show. And a couple times on Retro Encounter. All right, all right, you, you damn encounters. All right, let's, let's get everybody else in here. Uh, we got <laughs> we got Caitlin Argyros, everybody. Hi, guys. I did not go to E3, but I watched as much as I could when I wasn't busy at work, and I also have the hype, if not perhaps the hangover. And, and I tried to do the really nice thing, because when we knew that uh, Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, was coming, and we couldn't tell anybody, I was like, Caitlin, here's your birthday present. You are going to go see this. And she was like, yeah, Rob, that's nice, but I ain't going to E3. And I felt like a dick. <laughs> yeah, but then I got to go. It's okay. I thought it was, I thought it was very amusing. Like... I wish you could have gone with, Kaylin. I know, yeah. Oh, but I would have I... been super nervous. I didn't know that you were actually going to be speaking with the... Kato and yeah. Yeah, it was it went really well though. But I ended up having to go to that one by myself. So the chair was empty. It had your your uh, name on it. I was there in spirit. Yes. I was. And then we also have uh, Mike Solosi of Retro Encounter fame back from his first E3 as well. How you doing, yeah, Mike? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I think I brought something from E3 back with me. Uh, I had a little. I have a little bit of the nerd plague going, which is why my voice isn't quite as sultry as usual. But uh, yeah, I, I went to my first C3 with the rest of the RPG fan people, and it was awesome. And I'm excited to talk about it. And yeah, I think that's about all. Cool, cool, cool. So 
I guess before we start uh, taking apart the press conferences and taking apart everything we saw, just like a general vibe that I had uh, this year. This was my 33, and I remember Derek, Stephen, Mike, you know, everybody telling me that after you've done it a few times, like you start to jaded is maybe a strong word, but like you, you sort of lose the honeymoon goggles and you, you kind of see the show for what it is, you know, the good and the bad, and it is a, a hell of a lot of fun. But the thing that really struck me about this year was on the show floor. It felt like the booths just got bigger, but there was less stuff for me to actually yes. play. And, that yep. there was, and there was more, like, waiting in lines to watch games being played at me than actually playing games. And, and Derek, you're the one with the most E3 experience here. Do you? It sounds like you agree with that. Yeah, I've never experienced uh, lines on the magnitude that there were this year at the show. There were so many uh, places where you had to queue up just to get a ticket and then come back, or um, like you said, queue up just to watch gameplay and not even get your hands on it. And a lot of the booths, um, particularly Atlas's booth, they were so cramped. Like, yep. Atlas, um, everybody is excited for Persona 5, as they should be, and Atlas was giving away the Morgana hats. Oh, so um, cute! Which are super cute, right? But to get it, um, and this is what I don't get, because E3 is still at its core supposed to be uh, a, an industry, a trade event. So it's like the idea is we're going there to exchange information, there are business deals happening, we're providing coverage of the stuff, and of course, like, of course it's fun for us, because we care about video games, and we want to get in on all that, but it feels like more of a Comic-Con kind of thing, what they did, like, because they gave away uh, stamp cards, and you had to play each of their games, or four of the games that they had on display, and each one they would give you a stamp, and then you went back to the front counter, and that's how you got the Morgana hat, like, that's something that I would expect to see at Comic-Con, mm-hmm. or, like, I don't know, MAGFest, if there was a publisher thing there. Not and they, they didn't have nearly enough room, because they had, they had right. five or six demos behind their main stage where they were showing all the Persona 5 stuff. And, I mean, you couldn't walk three people side by side through that thing. And there was just dozens, if not a hundred people, trying to try all the demos at all times. The only time I was able to get back there to play uh, King of Fighters and Seventh Dragon was at the very end of the third day. Mm-hmm. When, it was totally uh, bottlenecked. Yeah, well, yeah, when the Mac Morgana hats were gone. So it's uh, they need more space, or I should say Atlas needs a bigger booth or just smarter booth design with less uh, less space being taken up by the stage or something. Right. And, and Join me in throwing money at Atlas. <laughs> we would be remiss if we didn't point out the... Uh, like, absolute behemoth that was the Zelda booth, which was just, like, watching this stampede of people. Oh, I saw a video about that. Black Friday status. Like, like I think oh we only God. had one person actually brave that line, uh, one person in RPG fan to actually brave that line and play Zelda. Yeah, right? and, and it was because they had, like, turned people away, and then they reopened it, because, like... The, a, a lot of what they were doing at E3, like the Resident Evil 7 booth and the uh, Final Fantasy booth, uh, Final Fantasy booth, um, Zelda booth, they were doing a thing where, like, they would let you line up, but they weren't going to let you just, like, continuously line up to the point that it creates a fire hazard. So they were, like, turning people away, but what you could do is maybe if, like, the line had moved more quickly than they were expecting, you could kind of slip in, and that's kind of what Jesse was able to do when, like, they had said no more people, and then he kind of hovered around there for an hour or two, and he managed to get in. Um, the Resident Evil 7 booth just wasn't happening. They put a big old spook house uh, over in... Now I've got the halls all mixed up because I'm I'm that tired right now. Uh, but they had a big old uh, Resident Evil 7 booth that, like, you had to go line up at the beginning of the day, get yeah. your little e-pass tickets, and then come back for your demo at the appropriate time. Yeah, and, like... It's crazy. 
because Mike, uh, Mike Salvato, uh, who isn't on this episode, and Rob and I all lined up, I think it was day two, uh, to try and play Zelda. We, I mean, we were there when the doors opened, and we were in that rush of people that went towards the back. It was, what, 10.04 a.m.? Yep, four minutes. And the line was closed. Closed! <sighs> wow. And, uh, and that was that was for playing, so we decided to... There were two lines for that. There was one to play and one to watch in a closed theater. So we went around to the other side and tried to get into that one. And that one was... I can't um, watch. That's ridiculous. I know. Um, <laughs> and that one was okay. And uh, the little cool experience that we had there is we're standing in line, and um, a Nintendo... I think it was from Nintendo Treehouse guy walked by, and he's like, Does anybody have any Nintendo tattoos? And Rob, like, grabs my arm, and he's like, this guy! Right here! <laughs> I have no boundaries. And I was like, do I? And I had to think about it for a second, because I have a Xenoblade Mod- tattoo. Yeah, yeah, the Monado counts. Yeah, and a, a Earthbound Starman tattoo. But I just wasn't really thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I do. So he pulled me and uh, took me up to the front of the line, which was super cool. And uh, he was like, yeah, I just like to do this every now and then, bring people up. Uh, so I got to get into the theater, but then, like, the line for the viewing was short enough that Rob just got in with the same group as me, so it didn't even matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but even so, it was, like, a super cool experience. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but th- those lines were just insane, man. And and I think it says something that we were at this show to provide coverage of the games, and none of us in this in this group right here got to play Zelda. Only one person right. at RPG Fan got to play it. We sent eight and, people. We had, our cadre was eight people, and only one guy managed to play Zelda, and that's that because he, he hovered around lines for more than two hours. He stalked the line. He did stalk the line. And, and I think that's like... Uh, so I was maybe a little down on E3 for the first two days because I was getting kind of frustrated because I wasn't playing a whole lot of games. Like, I was I was in meetings and I was in interviews, which were really, really cool and, like, a fun opportunity to talk to developers, but I wasn't, like, playing a game. And then I just had, like, rapid succession, uh, got to go see uh, Gwent, the Witcher card game, and uh, once again, CD Projekt Red, they know how to party because they had beer available at 10.30 in the morning. Of course they did. And well, they're Polish, so. That, yeah. And it was good Polish beer, like just really, really good Polish beer. I got to sit down. Jesse kicked my ass up and down at Gwent. It was fantastic. I got to talk to the developers a little bit. Um, they, then you went to go do the Persona interview, and you were a bit tipsy. I was a <laughs> little <laughs> I, I think I, I need to start every day at E3 with a beer to kind of, like, loosen me up a little bit because then I have the gift of gab, and I just want to start talking to everybody. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I got to see uh, Tyranny, uh, the new Obsidian uh, Western-style RPG, much in the same vein as Pillars of Eternity, and they just let me play the game. They were like, we're going to let you play for a half hour. You can talk to the developers. You you know, we're not going to tell you how to play. We're gonna We're just going to let you go. We'll answer any questions you have. And I was like, this is what I love about E3, is sitting down, talking with a developer, getting a good interview, playing a game, really giving my impressions of it. The worst moment of all E3 was when uh, Steph and I were going to see Deus Ex Mankind Divided. And I was I was pumped. Like, I, I was ready to go. And we had been told that it was going to be an interview and a hands-on demo station, and they just took us out of the Square Enix booth, and I was like, "That we're going the opposite direction for an interview right now. And they took us across, and they sat us down in their big demo theater that anyone can just pull up a chair, and they just played the game at us, the exact same demo that they released two weeks ago. We did uh, get front row seats, though. We did get front row seats. <laughs> I was just mass like and, and I'm not like saying you know oh square is square Enix how dare you but it was like obviously a communications breakdown and that's fine like that happens when they're doing hundreds of interviews but it was just like if all you're gonna do is show me the demo that you released last week 
Like, I don't want to see that. Like, yeah. that's the wor- that's the worst part of E3 for me. Is like the you're just going to show us the exact same demo videos that you showed a week before. You know, it's it's funny, Rob. You had mentioned that it seemed like there was a total disconnect between the uh, the Japanese games coming out of Square Enix and the Western games coming out. Because for the the Japanese games, like they treated us really well, and uh, we were they were like super super nice and welcoming. Um, I got to interview them for Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age. Um, didn't you guys? Uh, Mike got to do a thing for Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, he don't do Not 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 me. Uh, Mike Salvato. Yeah, did, sorry, but, Mike Salvato. But, yeah, but yes, he did, and he was very excited about it. Yeah, and they were super accommodating. Um, they gave us coffee that apparently had crack in it, according to Rob. <laughs> Good God, that coffee! Oh my God! It was like vibrating out of existence. Uh, yeah, well, but so Rob usually vibrates normally anyway. It, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, that so is there was a that. statement. And then you get to to the Deus Ex stuff, and they're just like, "Yep, come sit down and watch it." So, I, I mean, I think that, of course, universally, like we had a pleasant experience with all that. But it is interesting, like now that the the culture is shifting towards like releasing all of this information on social media before the show. A lot yeah. of these things that we're yeah. seeing there are just like, well, I saw this trailer last week on YouTube, but I guess I'll watch it on the big screen. Yeah, there, there were a couple demos that were behind closed doors that are not readily available. Like, I got to see uh, Vampire and The Surge, uh, two games I was very interested in. Those eventually ended up on, like, the IGN, GameSpot uh, channel thingies that they do at E3. And, like, so that was a little bit more of a limited demo. Um, I got to ask some questions during that, but... But mostly, like, my favorite parts of E3 have been either playing a game that I obviously won't be able to play for a long time or really sitting down and talking to developers. And I don't know if this was a result of so many different companies uh, pulling out, and I think this is a nice transition for us into the press conferences a little bit, but, like... Hmm. Yeah, you know, not having EA there was very bizarre, and I also have to hit EA very hard right here because after a year of like playing footsie with Mass Effect Andromeda and getting everybody all excited, they showed about a minute and a half of new footage, which looked amazing, but that that wasn't good enough. That I was really so mad. That was not good enough. It wasn't good enough to show Lando Calrissian in a Star Wars game and then have Amy Hennig say, yeah, we're working on a Star Wars game. Like, EA just... It, it's very clear why EA didn't show up to E3, because they didn't have didn't anything have to show. Anything. They didn't have anything. Like, and, and we know they're making games. Like, they're, they're coming. But it was like, oh my god, you guys really didn't have a damn thing to show us. And that's, for Mass Effect to be coming out in 2017, and I when think... It's like, it's like early 2017, uh, right? March? I, I think that's what they've marketed, but I would now say that game is like a fall to yeah. 2017 title. And that's There's, fine. They were still it was showing, a, like, behind the scenes, this is how we're making the game, the E3 before it's coming out. I'm like... Mm. I think it's probably still a spring 2017 game because it was a 2016 game until very recently. True. And, Mas- and Mass Effect 3 did come out in March, April. So I th- there is a precedent for that. I think, um, but we don't know for sure when it's coming out. And it was disappointing to have barely anything there from one of, if not the largest American publisher. Yeah, I, it was a bummer, and you know, I. Dragon Age Inquisition I loved, and they delayed that a whole year. So I'm not saying that, like, a delay is a bad thing. That's not my argument. But my argument was, like, they had gotten everybody all hot and bothered for new Mass Effect footage after last year 
you know, kind of, you know, leaving everybody out to dry. Like, you know, we made fun of Nintendo up and down last year for not showing any Zelda, and I was going on record saying I can't believe they didn't show Zelda. I never believed for a second they wouldn't show it, and they didn't show it. And then Nintendo just totally came through this year and was like, well, here's the game you're going to buy an NX for. And it looks amazing. Holy crap. Like, I'll, I'll thinking, man. You're going to buy an NX for. Uh, all are, people, are the RPG Fan Awards out yet for E3? No, no. they're not. So okay. we... Are, so, um, so, okay, we, I won't. I won't comment on that then. But it, it, the only bad thing I maybe heard about Zelda was that the control scheme was a little weird. They they obviously have tons of time to work on that, but I think because this game is giving you so much, so many more things to do with Link, it doesn't surprise me that it's maybe like in a limited 15 minute demo you can't like fully grasp it. Like I when I played Shadow of Mordor at E3, my first E3, like. I was looking at the screen like I was doing calculus for the first time. I was like, "What? what, what like I'm really struggling here." So I think like that's the only little thing that I heard about Zelda. But watching some watching over someone's shoulder just playing that game was just holy hell. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Um... I was just gonna say, well, it was a total crap to get into that booth once you were in. Damn, it was pretty in there. It was really yeah. pretty. Sorry, go ahead, Kim. People just looked from the exit like a like a stray dog. <laughs> just like just like looking in at the other dogs eating at the Italian table, just like, oh, this is sad. Um, I I was gonna say that of course there were you know everyone was streaming um different IGN, GameSpot, uh, PlayStation. They all had live streams going on, but I the one that I stayed on as much as I could. Um, Work allowing was uh, was Nintendo. Like I spent. Yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think I really cared about anything else that was being shown that day from from what you could watch online. I just had to see more Zelda, which mm-hmm. is a big thing for me to say because I'm not the world's biggest Zelda fan. Yeah. You know what? Uh, a little piece of E3 insight that I think um, Rob at least agreed on is that when you're at E3, it's such a different experience from from being at home watching the streams. And I know that sounds really obvious, but the fact of the matter is when you're out there, when you're on the show floor and stuff, like you're not seeing a lot of the footage that everybody has already seen until you get home from the trip. Yeah. Uh, or unless what... like it's, you know, at the hotel at night, but at crappy hotel Wi-Fi, and we're like writing and doing stuff. So it wasn't until I got back from E3 until I was like, oh, there's the trailer for that game that I didn't know that they were showing. Yeah, if you if your goal is to take in as much information as possible, that's easier to do from home with a good internet connection. Yeah, uh, like the the benefit to going for going to E three is to sort of just be part of that industry and talking to developers and and playing stuff hands on. But if you just want to collect as much news as possible, it's best just to stay home, really. Mm-hmm. And I did not get to see uh, Dragon Quest Seven until uh, Steph and I were standing by the Atlas uh, booth, I would have had no way of seeing Dragon Quest Seven, and then that was also the moment when Steph admitted to me that she doesn't like Dragon Quest, and I, I have now pushed very hard for I, us to kick her off the site. Um, I, I, I knew about I knew <laughs> no. about that from, from forums beforehand. We did, we did the vote. It, it, it's not a secret. Day. No, no. Uh, my vote is at least three. Uh, I, 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 I don't... I, mm, anywho. But, like, I wouldn't have even known about Dragon Quest Seven. Because there was nothing at Nintendo's booth, it was just Zelda. So, oh right, yeah, I I told you about the Dragon Quest Seven release date when we were walking to a different meeting. Yeah, and I was like, holy crap! <laughs> right, it, there, there's a lot that you miss if you're on the show floor doing other stuff and not just reading all of the news that's coming out. 
and it's another excuse for me to not play Final Fantasy 15 because it's coming out so close to it. So it's like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, do we talk about Final Fantasy 15 right now, or do we keep going with the press conferences? Because well, it was part of the press conference. Okay, let's talk about Final Fantasy 15. All right, now, now look, now look, hey, listeners, calm down. Okay, just just calm down. Nobody start. You're Nobody. so patronizing, Jesus. No, 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 because like you, you have to get the full statement out, which is like none of us are hoping that this game ends up bad. Nope, I'm nope. absurdly hyped for the game still. I, I really want it to be good, like, and I, I have not up until now played anything or seen anything that has really gotten me excited. I'm a little curious about some things, but I, I haven't had that moment. I haven't had the, like, Leviathan Final Fantasy VII moment or, like, the first time I saw Final Fantasy IX in motion. Like, I haven't had that moment. So then there's the Titan demo, which is, like, how the hell did that show up on the show floor? Like, Should have been called an E-Freak demo because it was a hot mess. Oh, my God. Like... I mean, Colin fell through the world on that. One of our uh, news reporters, Colin, he he fell through the world. Um, it just didn't look good. And for a game that is two months away, th- this should be the most telling thing to our listeners. When uh, Mike Solosi and I were over at Square Enix, which Square Enix had the best booth at E3, nice and open, tons of games, tons of kiosks, no Mighty Number no. 9 to be seen. It was the best kiosk at E3. It had more demos and more open space and better designed like signs than the Atlas booth. It was, yes, it it was, a, it was a really, really cool booth to just hang out in. It was also huge. Um, yeah, a- and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at Final Fantasy XV, and then I look over at Kingdom Hearts 2.8, and I and I said to Solosi, I would much rather play Kingdom Hearts 2.8 because that combat looks fun. <laughs> like that that looks way more fun than Final Fantasy 15. And I just and now they're talking about this wait mode in Final Fantasy 15, which again just feels like it feels like they are just trying to make this game for everyone, and by doing that, they've lost vision, and now they're making it for no one. Like that's that's how I feel whenever they announce a new feature in a game that is a little under a little over three months away. Well, the the wait mode in particular also worries me because it's I almost get the feeling like it's like they're acknowledging that their battle system is perhaps too chaotic for some people like me yeah. to control well or have fun with. So we have to add a different you know a mode to make it you know, easier to tell what the heck is going on. Yeah, that that's that's how I feel too. Um and, and again, I really want that game to turn out great. Uh right. I will much rather be playing Dragon Quest 7 or Shin Megami sure. Tensei 4 Apocalypse whenever we get a release date on that. Those both look great. The the problem with the Final Fantasy 15 demo um is that like uh, again, I'm really excited for that game. Uh, I think more than most of us on that site. I don't know. That's not like an achievement or anything, but I'm still really excited for it. Like I achievement unlocked. I'm, we got you. <laughs> I am consistently a fan of of Final Fantasy, and there is not a single one that I dislike outright. There are some that I think aren't as great as the others. I think two is probably like eh, you know, not fantastic, but there's none that I hate. anyway. So I'm excited for 15. And uh, the problem with the E3 demo is that it just did an incredibly poor job of showing off what this game has to offer. It is a, like an extremely scripted sequence that has you running at the camera, Crash Bandicoot style, and so there's no actual like strategy or anything happening there. 
which is okay. Like, I'm okay with that in the context of the larger game uh, as a whole. It's okay to have little sequences like that here and there. But for them to show it as a demo, there's that, and then you get into the the arena where you're fighting Titan, and there is only one way to win that. You have to know to teleport up to a certain point, and you have to know to warp strike off of that point and then cast Blizzard. That's how you win. There's no actual strategy involved beyond did you press the right buttons at the right time? And it didn't help that the station that I was playing it on was, it was right underneath a bright-ass light that was just, like, shining right <laughs> on my screen. And I was playing it on an Xbox One, which, sorry, guys, Xbox One, you know, just isn't as powerful as the PS4. That's not me knocking the console for its library of games. It just isn't as powerful. So it was running at a lower resolution and was really, really muddy. The whole area is super brown, and you're fighting Titans. So you're in this, like, big rocky outcropping. And... uh it was like it was brown and muddy, and I couldn't really see. And like the entire time, there's just Titan swinging his arm at you, and I got I kept getting knocked over and over and over until I figured out that I had to do that incredibly specific sequence of events to clear the demo. And I just think that that in no way represents what that game is going to play like. I mean, even from the Platinum demo in Episode Deskai, I know that that's not how that game plays. But for them to show that as the most recent example of Final Fantasy XV's mm-hmm. development progress is super bad. It doesn't mean that the game is, like, getting worse necessarily. It just means that they chose a very poor section of the game to demo off. So so what you're saying is they chose poorly. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Had to work that in somewhere. I, huh? I, I did. I did. Um, so, yeah, we, we were all a little, little down on Final Fantasy XV. I'm still buying it because I'm an idiot and that Amano art, artwork steelbook. I'm just like, well, I'm going to buy that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still day one. I already got the collectors for Star Ocean 5 and this, and I feel like I just wasted a ton of money. Well, that's better than me doing the Last Guardian Special Edition, Persona 5 Special Edition. Oh, me too. All those. Oh, that Special Edition. Dishonored 2 Special Edition, and I bought a $400 graphics card today. Yeah, that's the crazy bit. Yeah, I'm an idiot. You are. I don't don't own a PS4, and I still bought two of those five Special (laughs) Editions. I really it's like a, the Dishonored one because that'll go. The, the little mask will go right in my uh, right in my classroom. In your study? Oh, your classroom. That's my classroom. Oh, I put. I'll take a picture in my classroom sometime. It's it's just you decorated could. with crazy crap. I was gonna say, as long as we're on the topic, Steph, you brought up um, Star Ocean Five, the collector's edition of that. The did other you really disappointing RPG of the yeah. Did you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you play it on the show floor, Steph? Yeah, a little bit. It was okay. I couldn't really get a great feel for it um, on the show floor. I think Jesse played it, and he said that he was really disappointed with it. He's I'm, another big Star Ocean fan, too. Yes, he yeah. was. I, I'm definitely of the opinion that, you know, demos are probably one of the worst way to experience a game, you know, as necessary as they are. Yeah, RPGs like, especially, I think. In, like, 10% into the game, and it's just a completely random context. Like, the, uh, the Final Fantasy XII demo, I thought was one of the worst dungeons they could have picked for that thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, yeah, it's it's the big open uh, mine area where I think you rescue Pinello from those lizard people, right? I could, it's Preserva uh, really, Mines. I could really be an asshole right now and be like, which giant open dungeon that's slightly boring are you talking about? Uh, no. Don't, don't you go there. Well, this, this, um, that dungeon isn't particularly giant and open so much as it is just a long, boring tunnel. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, they they chose poorly for uh, which dungeon to include in the demo, but I mean, it did look pretty sharp, and it definitely was FF12. So it did look yeah. really good, uh, but apparently the voice acting is still like midi, all tinny. No, yeah. no. Yeah, it does. It does sound compressed still. 
Um, but but the new arrangements of the soundtrack, what I got to hear sounded amazing because it's in um, you get to be you're in Bujerba for a second before you go into the mines. So just walking around that little part of Bujerba, I heard that new orchestration, and I was like, <gasps> "Kaylin's gonna love this." As long as you're yes. okay with everyone sounding like this. As soon like as they uh, I'm soon I can pre-order the soundtrack, I am pre-ordering it so hard. Oh yeah, me too. The second second it's available. But um, to circle back around to Star Ocean Five, uh, I I also only got to play it for a second. Um, looks great in motion, 60 frames. Yeah, it looks um, pretty. Yeah, it's. Uh, I still don't love the character designs in that game because they're like, we need one character of every color of the rainbow. Let's make them as vanish <laughs> as possible. It's like an ad for a university. It's we got so kid, We got our Asian. Oh my god! No, it's it's like Captain Planet or Power Rangers oh. or something. That's yeah. Well, she looks so awkward. The mage girl. Yeah, oh, checkers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, checkers. Look kind of weird. That is, that's her nickname. On wait, the wait. She's named after Nixon's dog. No, what? I think, no, I think it's she's her, named. It's, it's her nickname. Yeah, she's named after the pattern on her dress, which is oh, okay. Which is wait, not the most. Did they call her checkers in the game? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's okay, the okay, fans. okay. I didn't think so. Come here, checkers. Because of her outside. horrible outfit. Oh, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just heard the. My limited time with that demo didn't really give me a super strong impression one way or the other. But I have, I heard from Jesse who played it, and from certain other sources who should not be named that Star Ocean Five is something of a disappointment overall. So I'm still going to pick it up when it comes out next week. But I hope that that is not the case. It also releases on the same day as Zero Time Dilemma. So good luck getting my attention yeah. away. From no. That. <laughs> you see the first reviews for uh, Zero Time Dilemma and Famitsu. No, I don't eights, know if I want to. Eights across the board. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, for Famitsu, that's like you know terrible, but whatever. <laughs> no. I remember y'all remember when Famitsu used to mean something, where it was like Final Fantasy twelve got a forty out of forty, and we all lost our minds. Oh, like, so did oh my so did Nintendo's. I mean, they're they're a little right. bit all over the place. <laughs> I like that. Though. Well, depending on who you ask, that forty out of forty was well deserved. But... Overrated. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, you know, Square Enix had a great booth. I got to play uh, Deus Ex Breach, which is their uh, kind of Metal Gear Solid VR missions, not actual VR. I have to be careful when I say that. Uh, they're they're sort of puzzly VR missions for uh, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. You said it again. Well, I, I just have to make sure that people don't think that it's like an actual like, oh, you put a headset on? Like, no, it's not actual VR. And what for the third year in a row, I did not put on a VR helmet because I wasn't going to stand in lines for hours to do it. Um, that, yeah, that was a disappointment too. That was the kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Like, as somebody who is not exactly open to the idea of dropping four hundred dollars on a tech that I don't know if I'll be able to use without it making me sick. Like, I would have loved to try and play one at the show because because I get headaches from three D, like three DS three D or movie theater glasses three D. So I don't know how VR is going to do in it. That would have been a fantastic opportunity for me as somebody in the press to like talk about it and get my experience. But no, because you had to download a friggin' app. And like reserve a place in line and go back, and that was it was a mess. I, I really wanted to play uh, Resident Evil Seven uh, in VR, but instead I just decided to wait until I got home and play it. That was, was kind of instead you just decided to shit your pants. <laughs> uh, that that was kind of the floor. Well, not on the floor. Uh, that that was kind of the the uh, the big moment. We we had two computers running in the uh, hotel room while we were watching the Sony press conference. Uh, and one was about 10 seconds ahead of the other one, and I had it kind of angled so that I could watch it. And when the 7 came up, there were a, a lot of expletives coming out of my mouth because we, we, didn't quite, we didn't quite know what it was. And I, I kept going, is this, 
is this also that um, uh, Aunt Rhody song is now permanently stuck in my head. I uh, love that song. It's a really good <laughs> version of that song. It's so terrifying. Uh, <laughs> Sony's press conference was kind of like. Stop it. Uh, Sony's press conference was kind of like surprising. You had the Resident Evil 7 announcement. You had all of us rolling our eyes at God of War, and then it ended up looking And then really losing good. our shit? Like, it ended up... Okay, that's it. We're not allowed to say shit anymore. Okay, that's three. We're done. All right? I'm not editing this. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. Was it four uh, pushes it to an R rating? Four, okay, four pushes it, and then I have to start editing. Uh, I, I think the... The God of War demo, we were all like, oh, man, it's going to be God of War 4. This is going to suck. And then they show us something that looks completely different, has a completely different tone. You should have called it Dad of War or something, and it was just like, I'm totally on board. And then we got word a couple days later that Corey Barlog, the director of God of War 2, which is the best God of War, is back. Thank you, thank you. Like, I I went from absolutely no interest to... I am on board. I'm buying this day one. Well, was was the music that they used to intro the conference, was that from this new God of War, or was it something I, else? I don't know, but uh, I, I think that's probably the reason why we didn't get to go to the press conference. They did not do it at the big uh, the big convention center where there's like 100 million people in there. Uh, they did it in like a small theater with a live orchestra, which, you know, if they do that again next year, I'm going to slit somebody's throat to get in just, there. Uh, I, I don't think it, the music was from God of War. They had uh, other intros that were just from classical pieces. I like I recognized part of yeah. Vortok's New World Symphony for one yeah, of their intros. Too. So I, I don't think it's from God of War, but the new God of War looks more like an RPG than any of the other God of War games. And, uh, as well, finally. and you can press a button for your son, which for I thought son. was hilarious. Press oh. X to Jason. Yeah. Oh, no, please, no, 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 David Cage, no. Yeah. Although, uh, speaking of David Cage, I'm not totally turned off by Detroit Become Human. In fact, I might be interested in it, which is kind of weird, but... I, I was listening to the Giant Bombcast, and they were talking about uh, David Cage's pitch for that game, where he he was basically like, it, it's almost as if David Cage... Again, I'm getting this secondhand, everyone, but it's almost as if David Cage does not know that the movie Blade Runner exists. Like, he thinks that he's being edgy and is like, maybe the robots don't even know that they're robots, and, like, they're hunting each other. And I'm like, God, you pretentious asshole. Like, seriously. Like, I, I, I'm with you, Caitlin. Like, it didn't completely turn me off, but I'm so snake bit by that guy, and I'm so, like, I'm so with Until Dawn. Like, I am so in that crowd that... That game needs to be, like, not even a quarter of David Cage's pretentiousness for me to care. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. I don't think he can do that. I don't think he can be that unpretentious. I, I just, I, I think that he's, he, he seems to be the first person that thinks that he's ever done robot fiction, and that's, that's already not a good sign, because... Is it he, though? Uh, his storytelling has been very like, questionable. Uh, like, I'm not, I'm not going to praise David Cage stuff, but um, but you're assuming a little too hard there, that he's never seen Blade Runner, or that uh, or that he thinks he's being or, uh, original with these concepts. I think that's that's a little ridiculous. I thought the trailer for Detroit looked pretty cool. Again, I was just I was going by what the Giant Bomb guys were talking about in his presentation. I wasn't there, and you're right, but I just, like, 
it, we remember him talking about like how he was going to handle violence and nudity and sex, and he's always handled it with what he he seems to think he's being subtle when he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to use nudity to titillate." Yeah, then why are you showing Madison's boobs so much? All right, and and like seriously, uh, come on now. Like maybe he's grown up. Maybe he's grown up. He he has been gone for a while. Uh, everybody played Beyond Two Souls, right? Right. I, I did. I watched nope. a playthrough nope, of it. No, nope, nobody, nobody, nobody played that, huh? Oh, oh, okay. Everybody was too busy playing Until Dawn. Yeah. Which is great. Beyond Two Souls came out a year before Until Dawn. Yeah. That's and Until bad. Dawn is the one that's remembered. No, because I remember Beyond Two ago. Souls. Just, just saying. Just saying. I, I'm sorry. You all know my feelings on David Cage. Maybe that game turns out to be good. I, I don't know. The, 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 the presentation, bless you, the presentation was uh, was interesting. And again, he, he shoots for the moon, and I'd much rather have him shoot for the moon than play it safe. I just hope he hired a writer. You know, I think he's an idea guy. And that's cool to be an idea guy, but then you need somebody to be a writer. Jason! 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 Jason. <laughs> The origami, the origami killer. Uh, <laughs> so there was that. Uh, I want to, I want to get Caitlin all, all angry here. So uh, oh, oh, uh, Xbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, in the pre-show warm-up, Caitlin just threw the gauntlet down on a, a what? What's the uh, new, new Xbox gonna be called? I can't. It's, it's a Zodiac constellation, right? Yeah, it's, it's something mm-hmm. maybe a Simpsons uh, character, very right. famous. Scorpio. Scorpio. Uh, the Xbox <laughs> is the Zodiac killer. Oh god, no, that's Ted Cruz. Um, so, so Caitlin, they announced the new Xbox Slim a 40% reduced uh, version of the Xbox One, and then they also let slip that they are making a, just as everybody was reporting, a four times more powerful Xbox Scorpio that will be released at some point next year. Six teraflops. I am now going to mute myself and let you go. Oh, wow, I get the stage? Yep, go for it. Uh, um, where to start? Um, I mean, everyone, I think, knew that they were going to do a slim Xbox One because, good God, that thing is a beast. And it did look kind of cool. I mean, who wouldn't want that over the current version? But I don't know. Just announcing that and then ending with the, by the way, we're making a, you know, the most powerful console ever coming out next year. Who's going to... Who's going to buy an Xbox One S now, knowing that in a year there's going to be a better more powerful, possibly the most powerful console until we get, get the specs on the Neo and the NX comes out. I I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And then there's the announcing of the Scorpio over a year before it's actually going to come out, not showing us anything, but just having the developer, um, the PR video of everyone gushing about how awesome all of this processing power is going to be, and I'm still left wondering, okay, but what does that even mean? I mean, obviously it means 4K video, but beyond that, what does that mean? You, you, I mean, I don't know how much we've gotten from Microsoft as to their plans for co-developing between current Xbox One and Scorpio. We know Sony is going to enforce that developers make versions of their games for both 
current PS4 and Neo. Just to be fair, that's that's based on the report. That's that's the leak that we've got so far. The only official statement that we have from Sony is they're working on something, and we will learn more about it later. But the leak, I I know what you mean. The leak is that they are going to enforce that you can't have a version of like a PlayStation 4 version of a game running worse than a Neo version. Right. Well, I mean, it's just sort of like they kind of can't. I mean, they, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot if they do because suddenly you'd have an entire install base that wouldn't be able to play new games and would have to upgrade. And it's just kind of like, I mean, the, they're the not mess- going to sabotage themselves that way. I like to think they're not going to sabotage themselves that way. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, we don't know really a lot about the new version of the PS4 yet, but I think that's more something going hand-in-hand with Sony really trying to push 4K televisions in the Mm -hmm. future Mm -hmm. rather rather than trying to um, have a new iteration on the PS4. And uh, like like both of you said, the leaks showed that um, they're going to set benchmarks uh, so that no version is compromised uh, if you play it on an old PS4, but which... I think is ba- if, if that's true, it's it's the, probably the best way to do things. Um, to, so it's not blatantly disrespecting earlier adopters. Mm-hmm. But the Scorpio seems to be a a bit of a, a larger step than that. It, I don't yeah. Think, I, I don't think Scorpio is just for 2K owners. I think they want they're actually making this more of a hardware iteration. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the that's the fear I think. And again, we don't know a lot, and I feel like we've we've said that over and over again here, but we don't know all the deets. We don't know all the details, but I don't know how consumers are going to respond to a massive jump in hardware and to Caitlin's point, which I very much agree with, who the hell is going to buy a slim right now? Like that like that's the most bizarre part of this whole thing to me is like the slim has basically been taken out back and shot before <laughs> it was even on store shelves. Like, before it could live. It it's, died. it's bizarre. Like yeah. I, there's going to be some people will buy it. Derek, go jump well, in. That's what I, I just feel like it's so weird because I still don't have an Xbox One, not because I have any particular hatred for the platform inherently. There just aren't any games on it that have really you know, pushed me far enough to want me to get it, to make me want to get it. And so the Xbox One Slim should have been that. It should have been the iteration that made me say, okay, maybe it's time for me to finally pick one up at a lower price. You know, it's a redesigned console. It won't sure. run as hot and burn my house down, whatever. So I thought it would <laughs> have been... Itself but why the hell would I buy an Xbox One S knowing that a Scorpio is around the corner? That is just insane. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, it is a very bizarre moment, and I I can't figure this out. Um, you know, maybe they didn't even want to announce it, but because of the the leaks, they felt they had to. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. But I just, you know, you. you you hear the argument about cell phones, and it's like, oh, well, you have to buy a new cell phone every two years, blah, 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 blah. We, we've conditioned people to buying cell phones. I don't necessarily know if that works for consoles because the number one argument that you hear whenever you get into that whole BS war of console versus PC, console owners want to buy something that is going to work. Yes. That, that is the whole effing point of owning a console. I bought this. I'm going to put my PlayStation or my Xbox One games in there, into the correct system, obviously, and I'm going to play them. P- 
PC is a little bit more, hey, you know, you're kind of saying what kind of games you want to play, what what uh, what graphical fidelity you want to play them at, what monitor size. There's a lot more user choice. But with that comes, you know, sometimes a lot more expense. Hi, how you doing? I'm the idiot right now that bought the graphics card. Uh, there's a lot more expense, You and we have also said we're okay with upgrading our systems to keep up with that. I think you tell somebody right now that... You know, you you can sugarcoat this any way you want, but if you start talking about games running better on the Scorpio than the Xbox One, and What's-His-Face was on Giant Bomb up and down saying that's not going to be the case, but talking about a 4.5 times difference in the two consoles, it's hard to believe that they're not moving in that direction, that, you know, this game's going to be running at 60, this game's going to be running at 30, or, you know, God forbid, even though they set up and down, this won't happen, God forbid you have the Xbox Scorpio-only game, which that didn't work out so well for Nintendo with the new 3DS. Yeah, I, I think... I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly here, even though I sure, think it's, go for it. even though I think it's ridiculous that uh, they released they unveiled the Slim and the Scorpio back to back. I think the the Slim is just so they can have a sort of a more modern, uh, like you know, uh, something that doesn't look like an '80s VCR. No, no, no. It, it's more like they can have Betamax, like a more <laughs> like a more mod a more recent manufactured skew of the Xbox One that's a okay. lower price point. Like okay. so, so, there's a they want an Xbox that's on store shelves that costs 150 less than the biggest one, so that maybe consumers that aren't as informed or aren't as interested in the newest games can get a cheaper thing. Like now, a I, so yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's, it's like some people's um some people that buy using iPhones as an example. Some people that are in that Apple ecosystem don't always buy the newest phone because they want an iPhone, but they don't want to spend the most money on a new one, so they get one that's like a year or two behind. That's I think that's the sort of market that they're gonna go for with this Xbox Slim. I'm not sure that market really exists for video game consoles. Mm, yeah, because it, um the consoles aren't phones. And uh, it's a different consumer base, and gamers are usually very informed about the consoles that they want. But yeah, I'm a little bit. I'm reminded of yeah. like when they released the Wii that was supposed to be like no GameCube support. It was like oh, that pissed me off. Entry level Wii, and I don't even it, who did that appeal to? Nobody really. Uh, and it was the only version I could buy. That was the super frustrating thing. Was when I said, "Hey, we're going to get a Wii for the house." And like Jackie and I are running around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to find a Wii that is a GameCube. And they just they weren't out there. I, I would have had to I would have had to buy a used one for almost the same price as a brand new one. That was incredibly frustrating, mm-hmm. like incredibly frustrating. And that the way they phase out the old designs that can get really nasty too. Like if you want to have a uh, what what is it now? Like the the original DS could play Game Boy Advance games, but now yep. it can't. Like, the DS and the DS Lite had a Game Boy Advance slot, but the 3DS doesn't. And the, uh, well, the XL version of the DS did not, and, uh, and the DSi did not. <laughs> yeah, and that really bothered me because I got a DS XL, and I was like, ooh, I finally get to play Aria of Sorrow. Nope. Is it a bad rumor that it affects performance then? To have, you know, two systems it can play? Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I don't know the reason. I don't know if it's like a performance issue or if it's just a marketing thing or. I, um, I, I can't. I mean, I suppose it definitely slims the profile of the console physically to not have that slot. But. 
I remember, like, the, the PlayStation 2, like, the slim PlayStation 2 people used to say, like, hey, it, it runs a little, like, it'll load a little bit faster and it doesn't get as hot. Like, I remember that kind of stuff. Like, I, if, you're one of, if you're like me and you went through, like, seven PlayStation 2s, uh, I think that's part of the hardware redesign, but, you know, I, I don't know outside of that what else you really get. Meanwhile, PS3's form factor didn't really change at all when they... Just a smaller George Foreman grill. Like, that. that's all they did. The PS2 Slim, I think, was a meaningful form factor change. Oh, yeah, that was Yeah, huge. that was. That was huge. I, I love the PlayStation 2 Slim. Like, that is a, that's a sexy little beast. Yeah, I've had I, mine I, for I, over a decade, and it works. It's awesome. I love the thing. Yeah. I don't like the um, flip-open tray for your discs, though, compared no, to... No, that's the, true. I mean, yeah. But... So, yeah, Scorpio seems... Weird. I, I, again, I I don't want to you know throw Microsoft up on the cross just yet, but I am kind of like, uh, you kind of you kind of boned this generation with bad messaging to begin with, and I, I get it. You're trying to be more transparent, but I think you're you're kind of doing it again. And if I were an Xbox One owner, I'd be a little pissed off right now. I'm I'm a little pissed off not knowing what's going on with Sony. But now Sony can sit down and go, all right, how does the market respond to this? Maybe everybody says, oh, we all want Scorpios. And they, they start, you know, pre-orders and they're through the roof. Scorpio! <laughs> oh, yeah. They can frame yeah. the messaging for the PS4 Neo or whatever it ends up being called in the way of reacting to the, to the Scorpio uh, response, which is... You know, a little dastardly of them, but smart. It, I mean, no, it, it I, makes sense. I think, yeah, it's a, they made the totally right call by not uh, unveiling the Neo yep. at their conference. I mean, I, I think Sony was waiting to announce the price of the PlayStation 4 till the absolute last minute. I really think that they were waiting, and they felt like they had a dagger through the heart when they came out 100 bucks cheaper. And they did. And, and I mean that uh, you you guys remember that press conference? They yes. Announced, they announced the price. They announced you know remember the whole thing about this is how you play used games on the PlayStation Four was that thirty second video that they obviously mm-hmm. had put together that morning. But Sony <laughs> Sony's whole marketing around the PlayStation Four is ease for developers, you know, wonderful integration with Twitch and with Twitter and all that stuff that gamers really want. And then just sticking it to Microsoft every time they can. Like, just sticking it to them. And there you go. I, I, I don't know. Maybe people respond to the Scorpio, but I don't, you know. Oh, uh, can I say, like, two things nice about Microsoft so I, I just to feel better about myself? As long as one of them is uh, bloodstained, because that was at their booth. Okay, that that is true. I wasn't going to talk about that yet. <laughs> um, but um, just on their, uh, on their press oh, conference, no. I thought ReCore looked neat. Yes, yes. And also, I thought it was super cool that um, they're focusing on uh, Windows 10 and Xbox One Interplay. Like, being able to play the same game perfectly with uh, between console and PC players is something that would have been unthinkable to me as recently as a few years ago. And it's very cool that it's going to be nice and smooth for the Xbox One. And that's about all the nice things I have to say about their press conference. As long as they don't force, <laughs> as long as they don't force an upgrade of Windows 10 on my PC... And then there's also the weird messaging about, like, what does it mean to be a Windows 10-only game? Remember when Rise of the Tomb Raider was announced, they said, hey, this is going to be Windows 10-only? Uh, and then they spun around, and you can buy it on Steam. Same with Ori and the Blind Forest. So there's a little, 
you know, there's a little weirdness there that I kind of want to know more about with the Windows 10 stuff that makes me a little nervous. Like, I I love Windows 7. I I think Windows 10 is a fine operating system, but I'm not that big a fan of it. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Microsoft's booth was much better than it has been in previous years. It was there were so many games there. It was dense with stuff. Yeah, look at our feed. And it was easy to move around. Uh, the car didn't take up nearly as much uh, space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as uh, it had. Neither here nor there, but I was just happy to play Cuphead over there. <laughs> oh, you got to play that? Yeah, I played it a little bit. I didn't. I didn't actually see that on the show floor. How was it? Beautiful. <laughs> so <Yeah>. beautiful. <laughs> it, it felt it's a like really good-looking game. Yeah, it, it looks great. I mean, the the look of it is just inspired, and I love how it, there um it has a filter that even looks like you know a a 30s animated cartoon. I would buy the system just for that. I'm yeah, just that much of an animation geek. But it played like a good Contra or a good um, uh, Gunstar Heroes game. It looks great. It does look really good. They uh they also had Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, the Koji, Igarashi, Igavania. I didn't get to see Iga, and it really makes me upset. Uh, I got to shake his hand. Ah, he was super. He was super chill. He didn't have the, with him, yeah. He didn't have the whip. Oh. I did too. He had the hat. Yeah, he had no, the I saw pictures. <laughs> the poor dude was being hassled for like six hours straight. So I oh. I didn't ask him to take a picture. I just shook his hand. But he was, I mean. He was a little uncomfortable being there, just being gawked at all the time. But uh, but, but he had a cool hat, and his game was uh, his game was really good. So I'm super excited that I gave to that Kickstarter, unlike Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, it, it it definitely looks good. Um, you know, a, a little bit of trepidation on the the environments looking a little bland, but I think they haven't put like all the shaders in. And then the only other bad thing that I have to say about that game is the boob monster at the end kind of had me raising eyebrows a little bit. It's just like, oh, please don't let this turn into a boob. Yeah, game. like because there have been plenty of um, sort of erotic demons in previous Castlevania games, which I'm okay with. Like, you know, they some were of them actually erotic. Yeah, well, like Succubi and stuff. Like yeah. that's okay, yeah. understandable, fine. But um, yeah, as long as it's not like every boss is elemental boobs. Like this is the water boob, and here's our fire boob. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that's not the case. the The main character moves fantastically, though. She she's beautifully animated. Uh, it, it's like a 3D polygonal model of Alucard brought to life. And guess what? That's what we all wanted. Like that. Uh, mm. Out of curiosity, not to open a huge can of worms, but um, at least, Steph, you were there. Did you get to see Bloodstained at the show? I did not, actually. I'm sad. Oh, okay. I got, I was I got to ask what you thought about I think I missed a lot of the best stuff. I, I kind of just wandered, and I, I saw nothing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Bloodstained, I didn't see, uh, like, a lot of the press conference stuff, so... Womp womp. I did a lot yeah, of good I, interviews, though, so that was fun. You did, yeah. I was there for some of them. You did great. Hey, Steph is really good at just kind of engaging people without any sort of pretense. Like, oh yeah. She got to beat the crap out of people in Yakuza. That was fun. <laughs> they get to watch that. Yeah, Steph walked right up to Laura Bailey at the Batman demo and <gasps> chatted with her for like three minutes. It was amazing. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. He's so nice. <laughs> yep. She's, I love Laura Bailey. Yeah. She's going to be a really cool cat woman. She will be up. It was great going to that bat cave in general. I wish we arrived earlier for the drinks, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Telltale's booth had this had a bar that was serving um, b- uh, beer and and hard stuff uh, just outside the theater where they were showing the showing the Batman demo. But and it was like a proper mansion. Like there was a, <laughs> oh, yeah, great. a carpet, leather seats. 
a grandfather clock, everything. Yeah, we got there like a minute before the demo started, but I wish we had been gotten there significantly earlier so we could have had something. It was it was a shame, but the demo did look cool. Mhm. I tried to get information out of my CD Projekt Red demoer about uh, Cyberpunk. I was like, come here, come here, come here. What can you tell me about Cyberpunk? He was like, dude, man, they're watching me. I was like, like come on. Tell me something. Uh, Gwent was really cool, and that was actually my first time playing Gwent and realizing that that game would absolutely... I can't believe me. you. I'm a bad human being. I you had never played Gwent in the game? I, I had never played it. I, I focused on the witchering. Uh, I had witchering to do. Uh, and all over the place. I, I, there was just some witchering over here and some witchering over there. <laughs> and then they ripped off my arms and they threw them over there. And then they ripped off my, my straw and they threw it over there. we got to uh, find Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy. Uh, and then... Um, like, spies I, are overpowered. That's my piece of advice for Gwent. <laughs> spies are overpowered. That it was it was a really cool game. I really liked that. The uh, the UI interface was great, and I think uh, Katya, the the woman who had worked on the UI, I, I, it kind of feels like she's done a lot of the work in the latest update for uh, Witcher Three, which does a lot to uh, rectify some of the UI problems with that game. So uh, very very good stuff at uh, CD Projekt Red. I just they they then were like, oh, I don't know if we're gonna show Cyberpunk next year, and I'm like, don't f with me. Like don't like do not like if I come back next year and your guys aren't here. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of CG Project Red, uh, uh, this is apparently the episode where I say, speaking of X or Y, uh, Z. So who was it? Was it one of you who posted a picture of CG Project Red's first booth? It was on our um, on our Slack channel. We were we were talking about stuff, and somebody posted a picture of the first time that CD Project Red was at E3 in 2004. Was it was it Kensha Hall? It was it was in a concourse meeting room, and it's just like a crappy keyboard with a, a little monitor <laughs> with a piece of art on it and one chair. To the freaking three building Gwent ad. The giant ad, which was just fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was cool. Um, I think it's, it's a good idea for them. They're, they're actually putting story beats in the game, like a full-on adventure mode where like, when you get into battle, it's time to play Gwent. And uh, that just seems so f- freaking awesome. Uh, it, it was really cool. Like It was one of those things where like I don't know if I would actually play that game the whole way through, but... I think it's a really good idea, and then they they kind of had to figure out the, uh, you know, the model for that game, how that works, and that kind of goes along with a uh, Deus Ex breach. Is they've talked about microtransactions in that game, and it's like, well, how do you make sure that you're not microtransactioning the hell out of the game to then make it uh, pay to win? But they, think, said, they said there's a, st- a single-player story mode in Gwent? Yes, there is. Yes. And there's right. going to be, like, 10-hour-long campaigns that they're going to release. Uh, I, I think huh. the... I think all the uh, the doom and gloom over the the new Hitman. Uh, we were talking about that this time last year. I think that's actually gone a lot better than anybody was anticipating. It's gotten a lot of really positive word of mouth. I think that that is the perfect idea for a thing like Deus Ex Breach, like a a very mechanics-driven game. Like if they did kind of the you only have 48 hours to try this hack and you can only do it once. Like the elusive targets in Hitman are so much fun because they they add that element of like. I get to only try this once. And so, like, I better really hit this with everything I've got. That's a really good community aspect that I think more games need to adopt. I think that could be, you know, 
unfortunately, Hitman doesn't give you any rewards for doing the elusive targets, except for, like, new costumes after you do ten. That's a bummer. I think that a, a good... There's there's a lot of potential there is what I'm trying to say, and I, I hope that Square Enix is letting everybody talk to each other that works under their umbrella to kind of reach a really good thing. I think Deus Ex could, could really benefit from that. And it looks good. It still looks really good. Although no one talking about the graphics downgrade on that game, which I find kind of interesting. Oh, you it's think so- there was one? Oh, yeah. And, and, and again, it's because that when they showed the game, it was kind of, I won't say it was as dramatic as Witcher 3, like the first time they showed Witcher 3 and everybody lost their minds, and then the game came out, and it was simply gorgeous and not, you know, mind-meltingly amazing, and people lost their minds. I, I think Deus Ex has gotten a, a pretty substantial graphics downgrade, uh, but it still looks really good. I think... You know, as they start zoning in on the, or zeroing in on the consoles, and they start realizing, you know, hey, in order to make this game run at a steady frame rate, this is what we have to do. It's it's a total normal part of development, but I find it interesting that we haven't seen the, at least yet, the massive flame response that we saw with, like, The Witcher or Dying Light or some other, some other next generation games when they were first shown. No, they're, everyone's saving their ire for the inevitable Watch Dogs 2 downgrade, although what, oh that, that wasn't nearly as ambitious as the original Watch Dogs. Yeah, video, that was so, so noticeable. Yeah, if was. you watch the comparison videos from the reveal to uh, in-game and trying to replicate, holy crap, that looked bad compared. Like It, it wasn't that the game looked abysmal in the, in the released version, but like comparing it to the original footage is, uh, makes it quite clear that they had to downgrade a lot of those visual assets to make it run well. Is anybody going to... I mean, Watch Dogs 2 to me was like, I watched a little bit of that demo and I just went, yeah, I don't don't get it. I I I really liked the first Watch Dogs. I'm kind of a Watch Dogs defender. I enjoyed the game and I did not mind Aiden as a protagonist. (laughs) But I'm not really interested all that much in Watch Dogs 2 or its protagonists. So. Yeah, we, we also got to see the wonderfulness of the internet with the whole main character being black and then people saying, like, oh, thanks, SJWs, now we have a black main hero. Uh, like, oh, boy. This oh. is why we can't have nice things. This is people. why we can't have nice things. Like, I vey. Like, also, we, we do have to... It, the, you guys will see it. Uh, the listeners will see it in our awards, but uh, I want to get out in front of this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did mention uh, the whole uh, no female link, and mm-hmm. I, in case... Right. Pe- in case people don't read the article, like, I tried to be as diplomatic as I could. What we're upset about is the fact that they pussyfooted around for two years, saying, well, you know, maybe, kind of, sort of, blah, 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 blah. No. Like, that, like, it, it, if it, if the answer was no. Just, just say, say no. Just say no. Like, why the hell? Uh, you go back to the original, like, 30-second reveal for that game two years ago at my first E3, and they were like, like you know, and then I really apologize that I sounded like Bill Cosby there. That was not my yeah, intention. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my intention. Um, but it, it was like, for them to then just come out and unceremoniously say no, it was just like, so you guys really enjoyed all that free press. You guys really enjoyed all the, like, talking and hemming and hawing about, oh, maybe Link's a girl. And it's like, you know, if you weren't going to do it, just don't do it. Like, just don't even say anything. Well, their, their reasoning, too, if you uh, read the interview with Alan... What's Nuna, Zelda going to do? No, what's like, Link going to do? Oh, God. If, if Zelda's the main character, what is Link going to do? Who cares? Which is just basically, 
basically it's the it's an implication that Zelda's only purpose is to be saved by Link because Link needs to rescue someone in oh order boy. to you know anyway oh no no I agree with you it was it was it, it's again one of those like it's one of those tone deaf moments where I you know obviously we're we're dealing with a Japanese company so you know I, I do, you know things get lost in translation people have different priorities like uh, there's cultural differences I get it but there's still like there's still part of me that's like just have somebody put up their hand and go just say Link's a boy and move on. Just be yeah. like, we wanted to make Link a dude. All right, moving on. What's yeah, up? I mean, I would have been disappointed if that was what they said because I thought it would be cool to play as a girl Link, but I wouldn't be pissed off. Yeah. I'm it, pissed off not because I can't play as a girl Link, but because of their reasoning for it. It's the Assassin's Creed. Like, do you have any idea how hard it would be to model female characters? It was just like, oh, God. You have to put boobs on them. <laughs> no! And, and, and they have to sashay. They have to sashay their butts around, right? Because that's how women move. But now, you have to ride horses' side saddle, and I, you have I, to add physical stuff. Now, I, now that's all I notice. The sashay is now all I notice whenever I'm playing as a female character. Like, even in Souls games, they kind of do that, and now it's like, oh, god damn it, now I notice it, now I'm irritated by it. Like, er. Yeah, I mean, it exists. Uh, no From Software announcements, except that they're working on uh, three games. Fine, I don't care. I don't care. Wow. Yeah, that, that, you're relieved, right, Rob? You didn't I, I am, game. actually. I, 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 if they had announced a Dark Souls 4 or a Bloodborne 2, I would have been like, son of a... Like, but instead they said, you know, hey, we're working on a dark fantasy game. It's like, well, duh. Uh, we're working on a revival of an old franchise. Hello, Armored Core. And uh, we're also making something new. And I'm like, hey, alright, that all sounds good. I don't want to see any of that stuff for at least a year. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I was secretly hoping it well, it wasn't really a secret that uh, Retro Studios would show what they were working on. Mega Man. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. That was a long time ago. And that wasn't Retro Studios. That was a few former employees of them. But uh, I can still yeah, dream, but, can I? But, but yeah, uh, nothing. There was. Yeah. I mean, obviously the uh, press conferences weren't as exciting as last year's that had the triple whammy in this in the in the Sony conference, but. It did feel there were there wasn't a ton of new announcements. There was a couple like the week before the show, but nothing actually on the floor or in the press conferences or not much. I mean, what was the biggest one? Maybe God of War. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah you know, a release date for Last Guardian, but that isn't a new mm -hmm. that isn't a new announcement. I, I think you're right. I think you know days. Days Gone, which I think kind of went over like a, a uh, yeah. No, I don't. Please. There was uh, um, uh, Ever Oasis. They announced that. that yeah, that, yeah, that looks neat. Anybody else surprised that they just kind of quietly released a video for the new Metroid, whatever the hell that thing is? Like, oh, that, did they for Federation Force? Yeah, just like a small. This is what I'm saying, like, well, I have no idea. I was well, at I, E3. You guys, I'm more, I'm more surprised that game just didn't get outright canceled. Yeah. Like, like, and just repurposed into something that people want. Like, I, I think that game is really... It, it, if if there's a Venn diagram of, like, what Metroid fans want and what that game is, it's just two separate circles by, like, a mile. Like, mm -hmm. I... I Kind of funny, the uh, latest Ghostbusters trailer is getting, like, all the thumbs down for its all-female cast, and the latest Metroid is getting all thumbs down for not having its titular one. But yeah, that's finished. funny. I, 
don't know what to make of that game, and I'm really surprised that it, it has not been canceled. Right. But, well, they, they sure did try really, really hard during the last Nintendo Direct to convince us that we should like it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's interesting that they, I mean, I, I'm all about believing in a vision, you know? Like, if, if they have this vision and they really think that people need to get their hands on it to experience it, um, they to really get where they're coming from. But, it, right, so, like, I... I, I and behind that as an idea, but at the same time, this game just doesn't look great. Well, and it's completely deconstructing, you know, the core of the Metroid series. And it's not that every Metroid necessarily has to follow some rigid formula, but it's like, it's it's almost uh, unrecognizable within the series, you know? It just looks like a weird, low-budget yeah. and, and Nintendo tried to convince me that Star Fox was you know, going to be amazing, and when I saw it last year, I was like, uh... Yeah, I just, I don't... mm -mm. The game is hugely disappointing, and I think that Star Fox is going to take some time off after that one. I I love that. Like, everything of Nintendo's is just kind of not doing too hot right now, but go figure, the Zelda thing just blew everyone away. Yeah. 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 I mean, Pokemon's doing well. Yeah, but I'm surprised there wasn't more Pokemon at the show. Because, I mean, that game, those, well, those two games are coming out in, what, October, November? There yeah. was there was plenty of Pokemon. On the Nintendo on Direct. The stream, yeah. On the okay. Direct, okay. yeah. Yeah, but there's was... nothing at the show, though. Yeah, nothing. Like, not, not, not a Pokemon to be found. Again, the disconnect from following the show from your desk and actually sure. being there. I mean, I wanted to jump up on stage and grab Dragon Quest Seven out of the dude's hands, but I realized I would be escorted out by security. Like I, I was like, I was like, it's right there, it's right there. Like, uh, but you're right that that's the disconnect from being at the show. And it was almost like when I got home every night to the hotel, I would pull up my computer and be like, what all did I miss today? Oh. That's all the stuff that I missed today. Like, Horizon Zero Dawn actually is here and is playable, but it certainly doesn't look like it is. Like, also, Sony, fi- figure out that booth a little bit. That Sony's booth was a mess this year. It was way too many people, way too much VR, not enough games, not staged very well. It was just, I didn't want to be over in Sony's booth for more than five minutes, and, and I think two of those minutes I took a video of uh, Trico because they had the big wall thing where, like, you could walk up and interact with them and that damn thing is so cute. VR was, like, the one part of Sony's presser that I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. You're pushing it hard. I, I, still, I still think they've got an interesting idea because they have the reasonably priced unit that has the lowest barrier to entry. Yeah, because but they've, yeah. they've got to develop actual full-blown experiences yes, not for that. Batman and not, VR. Yeah. yeah, not not, like... The X-Wing mission, or the Final Fantasy episode Duskai in VR. Oh God! Where you stare at Cindy's boobs? As yeah, Tom that Go. was again another tone-deaf moment of just like, oh dear. Also, I was just angry that they don't have the VR experience for me to do the Revolver Ocelot jazz hands from uh, oh, Metal Solid Four. Yes. And and speaking of using VR to stare at people's boobs. Oh no. The, <laughs> The the most popular VR booth I saw, which had a line, yeah, yeah, that had a line around like the complex, was the Naughty America VR porn booth. Yes, of course. (laughs) It was it was hilarious. There was a bunch corner, but everybody was there. Yeah, there was a bunch of demos with no lines at all next to them, and then a line around the that whole square for Naughty America. You could have put on a small football game in the back of uh, South Hall. 
with how much space there was. Like, yeah, unless you were near the Naughty America booth. Yes, that's true. That's Which true. was very crowded. <laughs> also, but, uh, yeah, of course also, it was. this was the first year that IndieCade, I just walked right through twice and said, nope. Like they, yeah, I, just, I was bummed. There was I was hoping to see a few specific RPG games, uh, RPGs at Indiecade, like uh, uh, Death's Gambit and Cosmic Star Heroine and stuff that was at E3. Yeah, yeah, and, I really wanted to see Cosmic Star Heroine. And there was a, bu- yeah, there was a bunch of stuff, but yeah, neither of those were at the uh, Indiecade, and the Indiecade was a little disappointing compared to you know past years because I mean the Witness was a big feature of okay, Indiecade well. last year. The biggest got, question is, did they have butt sniffing pugs? Because I didn't. I didn't find that either, man. I looked no, at everything no. in Indicate. Because that should be the game of the show every show. And then we, uh, <laughs> uh, Blow had a big presence over in Microsoft. You know, three years running. Uh, that game still looks awesome. Should be out this year. I couldn't, I couldn't see what was happening in that demo because every time I walked by, it was like the screen was um, totally black except for the tiny character. At the, you yep, know, like that's that's the point of the game. But, but, <laughs> but that's, that's cool, the. Uh, but it doesn't go well. No, it does the, not. Uh, is that the sword and sorcery guys? Yeah. That yeah. Is. So okay. they had they had that on a single uh, uh, Nathan. Um, Crap, I forget the guy's name, but uh, the, one of the main developers, he brought his PC to E3 two years ago, and he had it in the Indicade booth. And I just went over and played that for, like, about 40 minutes, just chatting with him the whole time. And, and you're right, Derek, that's a game that, like, you got to sit down and play below. Yeah. Like, you, you don't play that you game. You want to immerse yourself. Yeah. You don't want to just hop in. It, it's a really cool game. I, that I, I didn't want to talk about it again this year because, like, I've been talking about it for three years now, but, like, it's... That that game looks really special. I'm really excited to get my hands on that. And you know, they, there there were nice things at uh, Microsoft because you could get the most bang for your buck. Like there were a lot of games that were maybe at other booths, like Deus Ex was over there too, so you could play that a little bit. Uh, Microsoft has had a much better booth. Um, they still need to get the goddamn car out of there. Like then then yeah, it would be perfect. Why? Why is I, there a car? This ain't Final Fantasy 15 on cover. <laughs> Derek, Derek, didn't you. You, Derek, didn't you know people with penises love cars? So we just have to see a car. Like I'm, true. I'm just saying what, 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 there was a huge line for a lot of games, but there was no line to look at that car. They yeah, there, they did. They did have four car. car. If they had Tawny Katane on the car, then maybe I would have gone by. I don't know what you're saying, so. <laughs> but you know, here you... I go again on my own. Oh. Going down okay? the only road I'm living on. <laughs> jing, jing, jing. I'm sorry that that music God, video yeah. is like the sexual awakening of most teenagers in the 1980s. So. <laughs> You weren't, a, you, weren't a, I mean. you weren't a teenager until the 90s. Yeah, no, I was an okay. Okay. <laughs> right, well, yeah. But anyway, you were talking uh, about how, the, how your experience with the Below demo was basically the guy bringing his laptop and you messing around with it. Yes. That's, that's exactly how Stephanie and I played Pyre on the first day of oh, the show. Oh, yeah. We just went into, like, an open area that was abo- that was one floor away from the giant line to get into the show and uh Greg and we met up with Greg Kasavin and Stephanie just played Pyre on his laptop for 30 minutes while I asked him questions and and uh Peter took notes and uh, Pyre is the new game by Supergiant who made yes. Transistor and Bastion right it's the the basketball esque uh-huh. RPG yep. I am yep it looks so cool. I cannot wait to play that next year. I, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, so you like basketball anyway, right? So it's yes, kind of true. Uh, <laughs> did, right. they have the, did they have the narrator? Warriors or Cavs, Mike? Oh, uh, well, okay, I was 
I was rooting for the Warriors because the Cavs wore, wore sleeve jerseys in the finals, and that's just gross. <laughs> that's that's okay. <laughs> what a random reason. And you can uh-huh. talk sports, you can talk, you know, games. <laughs> you can talk about Simpsons. It's great. Can, can we can, go Penguins? <laughs> No. Go Leafs, go. You're, you're from freaking Canada. You invented the sport. What the hell? Uh, just because we're so insanely dominant at it. Yeah, that's actually how I got to start my E3 was the night before watching the Tonys with Jackie, so it was just all Hamilton all the time. Yeah, my, Hamilton! My, I was going to go uh, hang out with my sister for one day before everyone arrived, but she had to cover the Tonys on Sunday night. Oof. Oh, Caitlin, Caitlin, I bought Jackie tickets to Hamilton. In, in what, Chicago? Uh, no. Broadway. What? Wait, how did you get tickets? New York? I mean, she can't go until May. (laughs) She has tickets for Hamilton. Oh, okay. Am I not the best, am I not the best husband? Yes, you are the best husband. Damn, yes. damn straight. Who's a good boy? Aw, thanks, Darren. Who's Dar- a good just, boy? Just, just, it's, just uh, it's, coming to, it's coming to St. Mm-hmm. Louis, too, um, for the 2017-2018 season at the Fox, so I'm going to go see it here in my hometown. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick up tickets for that as soon as they're available in D.C. Welcome uh, to the Hamilton soon. podcast. Uh, Look, so I'm not throwing away my shot, okay? AKA, yes. I'll never be I'm, satisfied. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. Oh god! Video games. There's a, video games. Guys there were helpless. two other games that I wanted to bring up actually from the show, and I know we already discussed Square Enix a bit, but I did get to play I Am Setsuna a bit. Oh yeah. Um, super, that was super, super fun. Excited for that game. Yeah, that was um, great. Yeah, it actually it demoed well, which is surprising considering it's a game all about like the theme of melancholy and sacrifice. Uh, but uh, as everybody expected, it feels like Chrono Trigger built on a modern engine. Um, Attacks have good weight, and they're snappy. There's good visual feedback. Uh, it just it feels like Chrono Trigger made for the new age, and I'm really excited. Like it, it is a lower fidelity game, but it doesn't feel low budget. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, like it doesn't it doesn't seem like they weren't using their resources well. So, um, super super excited for that to release. It's actually less than a month away now. And, uh, I'm excited to get that soundtrack soon. I, I think. Oh man, I, 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 I imported that, that very the small. day it released. The day it released in Japan, I got it. It's two discs. It's like 55 tracks, and every one of them is good. Every track yeah. is good. Everything I've, every piece, every song I've heard from that game is great. I got it's fantastic. I think I might get it on PC. I'm, I'm debating yeah. it on PC. Well, it's cool that you have Yeah, and but I, I just like. I feel well, like with my, your 1070. Well, yeah. Well, I think with my, uh, I've got a 50 inch uh, TV in the living room, but I think it's just a little too, like I sit just a little too far away from it. So you have those moments where like games where the text is maybe just a little too tiny is extremely pronounced. Like yeah. I, forget, I forget what. Oh, it was actually Salt and Sanctuary. I had to get up and walk to the screen because like I couldn't see what I was doing. I know Witcher had some problems with that. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bummed about not getting the Vita version, but then Stephen was saying that the the Vita version has terrible load times. So I, like, yeah, Dude. just watching videos, it doesn't perform well. That's so, so bizarre to me. That, that I is, wish that we could get it, but I mean, I I would be getting it on PS4 or Steam over Vita anyway, knowing that. So knowing that is definitely a factor. But again, my my little like movement of now playing RPGs on the go, like Dragon Quest Eight will uh, excuse me, Dragon Quest Seven will have a home in my 3DS for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, although if Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse comes out around the same time, there's there's going to be a fight. 
They need to give us a date for that, didn't? Aren't they supposed to be giving one soon? They, they, uh, we should have a date soon, but they didn't seem to be that happy hearing that uh, Dragon Quest Seven was uh, coming out on the sixteenth of September, and right. they had a ten- they had a tentative date of September twentieth. I would rethink that date right now. I'd actually, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd push it back a little bit. Um, I would too. I, but then, but then again, you know, handheld games can be evergreen titles, so I don't think there'll be too much cannibalization. But I think it's one of those like you won't see the direct profits for some time. I think yeah, and Dragon Quest I think has a propensity for being evergreen more so than say Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, um, and uh, Dragon Quest is also uh, amazing, contrary to what our northern brethren may feel. Um, so that's was that a moose? Was that a moose? <laughs> Like, what the hell? Yes, it was. Or a caribou? Ooh, caribou Ooh. coffee. I like caribou coffee. Uh, so, moving on, there was one other game that I played at the show, and that was Tales of Berseria. Yay! That wasn't... I mean, I played more than just that also. But yeah, so I got to play Tales of Berseria. It wasn't actually on the show floor proper. It was kind of tucked away in uh, Tecmo Koei's... Or, sorry, Namco Bandai's um, meeting room area. So they, they had a couple of kiosks. Oh, actually, they only had one kiosk for it, and I think of it. Um, yeah, I, never, kind of I never found it. I didn't yeah, get you, it. <laughs> you could either go, go up there, because we went there for an appointment, and the appointment was basically just, go ahead, play the things. <laughs> so I, I think if I didn't have an appointment there, I wouldn't have known to look for it, because like I said, it was tucked away. Um, but uh, I got my hands on that, and as as Caitlin knows, um, I think we shared some some of our distaste for Zesteria, right? Um. I still haven't gone back to it after getting through the first town because I just don't want to play it. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same way. It, um, the, that battle camera, it, it cannot be understated how busted that is and how just unfun it makes battle. And I also, I didn't like some of the things I did with its battle system either. Like, the idea of fusing with your party members is cool, but what it really means in actuality is that you you just have two bodies moving around at any given time, and it's it feels limiting... Um, and then there, I mean, there are issues with like the story being sort of predictable, and the cast was okay. Uh, anyway, I just I felt like Zestiria wasn't quite the step forward in the series that I wanted, and um, Berseria seems like it's going to buck that trend, mostly because of the advancements in the battle system. So they've returned to the uh, system where you like actually transition into a separate little battlefield when you encounter an enemy on the map, which is good because a that happens almost instantaneously, and b you know, this new the combat system is designed around that, so the camera doesn't hang on any walls, as there are none blocking uh, the view. And um, and, and, and free run is permanent now, right? Yeah, yes. free run is permanent now, which is really cool. And long time coming, Matt. Yeah. Actually. The big difference in this one is that um, if you've played a Tales game, you know that characters usually have like a basic attack. You know, you just like doesn't take MP. You can just kind of spam it a little bit. And then you have your arts. You have your arts, which are like your specials. And previously, you could combo those into one another, sort of pending whatever upper combo limit restriction you have on you at that given time, like based on where you are in the story or level. Um, so this one makes it so that each of the four face buttons, square, triangle, X, uh, circle, do a different attack. And then they also do a different attack based on where you are in a chain of four uh, combo attacks, which is kind of hard to explain. But like if I press X four times, I could set a different attack to each of those X slots. So, like, X the first time does one thing, X the second time does another thing, etc. So, what that effectively means is that you have 16 different abilities mapped to your character at any given time, which is a lot, because previously you could have maybe eight. Like, you could have, um, your arts would usually be, like, press circle while holding up, down, left, or right, 
and then maybe like hold R1 while you're pressing that for eight for four more. So this is like very technical, I know, but um, it makes a big difference in, in the Tails battle system because it's all about speediness and comboing things together and you want to juggle enemies and catch them in your attacks. So having such a wide variety of stuff available to you at any given time is fantastic. And you can um, easily switch between characters on the fly just by pressing a button. And a la Final Fantasy X, you can swap characters in and out. So it's never like oh. you, know, you have people in the background that you're just not going to use. It's like you can just pop them right into the fight. I, I had missed that. All right, that's fascinating. Yes. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like was... you hold a button and then press, like hold L1 and press up or down on the control pad or whatever. That was that was an issue. That was a, ba- a step backwards that Exilia 2 made because Exilia 1 had the same idea. You could swap people out on the fly. And Exilia 2, you, you had a set party, and if you wanted to use other people, you had to bring them in. The idea was that it took up less memory because they didn't have to have all of the um, all of the characters loaded, preloaded to pop in nearly. But it what did make things feel really stilted if you wanted to switch things up in battle or while you're out and about. So yeah, that's, a problem. that's good to hear. Yeah, this so, yeah. is all exciting to me. Yeah. I haven't really I haven't really loved a Tales game since Vesperia, which I adore. But um, th- this is everything you say about Berseria makes it really intriguing. Yeah, I think <laughs> I agree with you. Get right, since <laughs> zesty, zestfully clean. Uh, the equipment system in Zestaria was probably the least fun yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I yeah, out. it was really head scratching. I it didn't really get to ever with mess it. or anything. It was so counterintuitive. Uh huh. I didn't mess with it too much in um, Berseria since the I you know I had like five maybe ten minutes probably like ten minutes demoing it. With still the um, reaction all around it. Yeah, I felt really really positive about it, and I I haven't loved a Tales game. I I think I agree with uh, Solosi. I haven't really loved one since. Vesperia. There have been some that have been good. I've been like, all right, this is fine. I, I enjoy it. Abyss Exilia. is worth your love. Oh, Brilliant. no, I love it. No, 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 Abyss is great, but that's, but, that's, but that's a few years before Vesperia. Yeah, see, I, I played it after, so to me, oh, okay. Vesperia is my first. Oh, uh, got it. Yeah, my, so, my first was Fantasia. I'm old. Oh, you're so old. Yeah. Uh, Berseria came away feeling pretty confident. I um, would say it was the most surprising game I played at the show, just in terms of how it defied my expectations, because... I've been so lukewarm on the series recently that after Zestaria, I was like, eh, maybe I can take some time off from Tales. But uh, Berseria looks great, and I'm actually totally fine with it coming out next year because... They're giving it to more time, I think, personally. Yeah. And September is jam-packed. We don't need yeah. more RPGs no. in September. The next, like, six months are jam-packed. Like, Persona yeah. 5, like, good lord. Yeah, Persona 5 comes out on Valentine's Day, and then Horizon Zero Dawn comes out on my birthday a few weeks later. Yeah, this is great. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, 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 yeah, Happy Horizon. Happy Valentine's that, that demo that they showed that, that for Horizon Zero Dawn, um, I mean, I wanted that game super bad last year, but uh, I wanted even more super Looks bad. Looks good. Looks oh, really good. Oh, wow. It's, I mean, like... I know they call they described it as an RPG, but I was still pleasantly surprised to see at least the bare bones of a dialogue wheel. So that's good, and to see you, you know, having to be strategic about what enemies you take down for crafting stuff, and the fight at the end—that was a really good demonstration. That, I'm sorry, Square. That was a good way to demonstrate what your game is like and what combat will be like that makes you want to play it and is not a hot mess. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it comes out 
uh, what, five months after Final Fantasy XV does, and its demo was so much more informative and, and apparent, and at least it looked to me, fun to play than uh, the 15 demo that they had at the show. It's, it's, yeah. it's bonkers. I, I, I would tend to agree with you guys, and uh, yikes. Uh, so yeah, I feel like we're, we're running out of steam here a little bit. I think we've kind of kind of talked about everything that we want to talk about. But oh, I, I, well, one quick shout-out. Uh, no! Exceed's booth was very small, but they had a lot of games and a lot of really helpful staff, and I cannot be, I could not be more excited for Trails of Cold Steel 2 or Sean yeah. Did you guys great. go talk to Brittany? Oh, yeah. yeah. At length. I went back I, there for... I, had, I didn't meet Brittany. I still need to play oh, you didn't? Cold Steel 1. No, I, I, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> Robbie Haney, too. And maybe yeah. I met her and she, I just didn't get her name, but yeah, uh, Steph was there with me, right? One of the times. Yep. Mm. Yeah, she's super cool. It's uh, I would describe that as best booth experience. I'm giving away my E3 awards. Best <laughs> booth experience was going there just because, uh, obviously, I'm like a ridiculous Falcom and Trails fan, but being able to talk to to the people there, Brittany in particular, she's just like she's so knowledgeable and she t- brings a genuine enthusiasm for that series that it's really nice to be able to like talk to somebody demoing the game who is incredibly invested in it and cares about stuff. Because, like, you know, like, everybody at E3 is there. Either, they're either a business person or they write or report on games in some capacity. But, like, for the most part, the people there, you know, like the games they're demoing to some degree. But it's not often that you come across somebody like uh, like Brittany at Exceed who's just like, oh, my God, and then when this character did this and this and this and this, and it's not, like, it's not canned. It's It's very genuine. And it's cool because it reminds me of why we do this in the first place. Because we're all very passionate about games, mm-hmm. so it's good to be able to engage and, in that. And I was really flattered when I uh, went and introduced myself there, uh, some and mentioned that I was from RPG fan. Even some of the Japanese Marvelous staff. I mean, well, okay, they're Marvelous people, but their company's called Marvelous. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, they they recognized, you know, the Green Shield. Like, oh yes, you. They, they actually recognized RPG fan, which was surprising and flattering to me. I, I was down there to uh, demo Akibi's Beat with uh, Colin, and that game looks all right. It's very pastel-colored. Uh, very, you know, every every character has a color-coded fake-looking weapon, so it's another game that's kind of like Power Rangers. Yeah. But, it's, uh, but you know, it, lo- it looks cool. It's very Persona-esque. Uh, Do you know that three of the playable characters in that game are maids? No. That, well, okay, they're not... They're not not exactly. I think there's more than three, but they're um. You rescue a bunch of maids that are being uh, pursued by delusional fanboys. And, uh, uh, no, no, no. One second. But you um. They're they're more like uh like like Rise or Fuka in Persona. They're your navigators and give you and give your party different uh, attributes and bonuses. But uh, and I think that you rescue more than three. It's probably more like five or six. But yeah, it's about a game about um, beating up delusional Akiba patrons and rescuing maids. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> no, that's <laughs> Caitlin. That heavy breathing sound is what they make, and that's why you beat them up. Like just like. <laughs> oh well, that sounds like your kind of game, then, Rob. Yeah, well, that's true. I have been known to mouth breathe on this podcast in the past. Oh, um, it was it's an action RPG with combat that is everyone's going to compare to a Tales of game. Dark Souls. <laughs> um, well, this is not from Exceed, but did anyone get a chance to play Night in the Woods? Or think, see Night oh, in the Woods? Colin loved that. I yeah, did not. Yeah. Colin argued for that game hardcore. Yeah, like, we, we, I'm we, glad he did. Really cool. 
Yeah, we had a, a big hotel room discussion as to how to set up the awards, and he was very pro Night in the Woods. We are going I'm... to re- we're going to record that next year because that would have made a great podcast. Because I want all the listeners to hear how vehemently I tried to defend our overall game of the show and how wrong everybody was. But that's I, neither here nor there. It was a five to three vote, Rob, and I was on your side actually. I, I and I think our votes should have counted for more. But you know that's you know that's not how democracy works apparently. Anyway, night in the woods, night in the woods. Yeah, um, I remember I was able to catch an interview on one. Um, I forget what stream it was. Um, and the first thing I see is this, you know, this cat, and she's snarky, and she's got like a, a doodle book that she doodles her inner thoughts in and it's all perfectly sarcastic and I was like I need this what is this I've never heard of this I must have it and that was actually kind of like my biggest surprise like my big my 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 most pleasant surprise from everything I saw from E3 was a game I'd never heard about and maybe not would not have heard about had I not been looking at E3 content that I now must have those are the best moments of E3 Those are my favorite moments um, when something just surprises you in a great way. Um, And uh, I kind of want to use that, Caitlin, as a jumping-off point for kind of our last topic. I kind of want to go around the table and and talk to everybody about, you know, what was their best thing that they saw at E3. And uh, I'll start. My surprise of E3 was uh, Tyranny, the the new game from the the gang working over at Obsidian that worked on Pillars. You know, Solos... Solosi, uh, Steven have been telling me to play Pillars for a long time, and I've it, been. Re- it solves every problem you have with those old Infinity Engine games. I, I know, but Divinity stomped me so hard and emasculated me and put me in the corner that I'm like, I was very hesitant. And so when I walked into the Obscenity uh, thing by myself, because Steph didn't come with, uh, I went there and I was really excited to see the game, and I told them outright, like, hey, I suck at these games. So I'm nervous, and I sat down and played it, and it was it was more than just the interface stuff that really had me turned on to the game. It was the fact that you're playing in a world where the bad guys won, so you're kind of all evil and crappy. It's like all of Frieza's men, like, fighting for, over each other to, like, get one up on each other to be great in Frieza's eyes. Like, it's just that for whatever reason, is much more attractive to me than the fantasy that they created with Pillars, and it ended up being my game of the show. I was I was really blown away by Tyranny, and it is apparently coming out this year, and I am very excited to play it. Hmm. 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 I'm not terribly... I I wish I could have sex with Persona 5's menus. (laughs) (laughs) They are... I, I would make sweet, sweet love to those menus and that UI in Persona 5. Like, I did want to give whoever made that a big sloppy kiss on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I would do terrible, terrible things to the people that designed those victory screens. Yeah, oh, they're, they're beautiful. Yeah. Why, why terrible things, though? They don't deserve terribleness. Some people want terrible... We're not going there. We're not going there. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Derek. Derek, what was the best thing you saw? Best thing I saw, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff. I, I got to see Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, which is like, you know, 12 is one of my most favorite games of all time, so that was awesome to see. Um, and again, it, I didn't actually get to get my hands on very much of the show because of the nature of the, the, the lines this year. I don't know, apparently I lost my ability to talk. Um, 
Well, I'd say that like my favorite games of the show were um, Breath of the Wild and Persona 5, but neither of those were things that I could like actively go and check out whenever I wanted. So I I I, I got to say Zelda as cliche as it may be, it would just it's mm. called Breath of the Wild and yet it took my breath away. This is super super. Oh. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Breath of the Wild, also the best title at E3. A massive, oh, yeah, yes. massive it, re- it's an A plus game title. That that is a redemption from last year's uh, to Xenoblade Chronicles X and Rise of the Tomb Raider, which had me like foaming at the mouth with how I, I still think those are awful titles. The Rise Tomb Raider the Rises. Revelations. Breath of the Wild, great title, and uh, Dad of War, missed opportunity. Um, I like oh, we Son thought it was going to be called Son of War. Oh, yeah. Son of War I like is really good. I like God of War, daycare edition. I like Kramer versus Kratos, but I think that one cuts... I love that. <laughs> that. That one cuts real deep. Like, you, you gotta... You gotta be knowledgeable on that one, but Kramer versus Kratos is pretty good. Uh, what, if, what if you can name the kid? Would you name him Kramer? Kramer. What was the name of the kid in that? <laughs> like I can't remember now. I don't know. Did he have a name? I can't. I don't, remember. I don't remember either. I just know he has a button dedicated to him, which is awesome. Jason, name him Liability. Ooh. Uh, I'm actually surprised he has a button because I thought that he was probably gonna die at some point. Steph. What was the best thing at E3 for you? The people. Oh, don't Aww. do that. No, 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 no. F that. Well, how do you make no, the rest no. of us look like none of, the, none of that yeah. sap. None of that sap. <laughs> uh, you hated everybody on the trip, and we were all horribly mean people. We you were. You were making fun of me for being Canadian for the first five minutes. Uh, he did for, like, the whole trip. What are you talking she about? She ripped into me constantly. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, okay. Hey, Steph, uh, I bet I can guess. Um, so, best thing, I was really happy to see Pyre. It, it definitely helps that that was my sort of interview popping cherry. Um, so, I was really pleased with that. I grew up, you know, in a sort of basketball-loving household, so I just thought it was really cool to play an RPG basketball hybrid. <laughs> um, that, and I really, really loved the Thatch Kobo statue. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone else has a statue of, like, you have, like, the angry Link, the evil goblins, the really cool, but, you know, uh, the uh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn dinosaur thing. It's all this kind of angry stuff, so I was just happy to see just a big, fat bird was commissioned as a statue. And you could ride him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I lived my fantasy on that, for sure. Oh, Derek, it's your final fantasy. Ah! Steph, I was going to say, I'm surprised your game of the show wasn't... Warhammer 40,000, Inquisitor, Murder. Yeah. God. So many unnecessary nouns. Slow city. Running at 10 frames per second. Right, well, I think think we basically talked about uh, everything that I liked at the show already. So I'm just talk about one game that I really enjoyed that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Thimbleweed Park is this weird, adorable adventure game uh, by Ron Gilbert who, you know, co-created Maniac Mansion and Secret of Monkey Island and a bunch of stuff. And, man, that game is nuts. It's a murder investigation in a tiny town, and a, a, there's a clown who's cursed to have his makeup on forever, and a ghost of a pillow shop factory worker that's haunting you. And it's, man, that game is totally weird and looks neat. And we haven't talked about it yet. So, yeah, Thimbleweed Park. And, Caitlin, what was your favorite thing about E3? Was someone playing with a milk jug? Uh-huh. Sorry, sorry. There was a. I was 
tapping on the thing to bring it back to the call controls, and it was not cool. <laughs> Google Hangouts is not like just, okay? just keep playing that jug, Lisa. Um, I mean, like, I, I have to give it to Zelda. Like, that, uh, nothing sucked up more of my attention out of the three days, well, three days plus conferences, day zero, um, than, than that. And like I said at the start of the show, uh, I'm not a big Zelda fan. I have not played most of the Zeldas. It's, you know, I've enjoyed what I have played, but it's not like I'm not a ravenous, I must have the new Zelda. This is the first Zelda that I will be getting day one that I must have that I want, I wish was coming out this year instead of next year. I'm not getting an NX for it, Nintendo. I will play it on my Wii U, and I will love it on my Wii U, unless we get a new Xenoblade, and then maybe I will consider it. But, yeah, I mean, like, I can't believe I'm saying Zelda over Persona 5, but I am. (laughs) Persona 5 is very close. Okay, so Steph has kicked off the website. Caitlin has kicked off the website. And uh, Derek, I think, um, Derek, no, you can say. No, I I tied them in my uh, my mind. (laughs) They're so different. I, I said as much in my awards that, once again, haven't released yet, and I keep spoiling. Not that it really matters, because it's not like people are waiting. But um, for, for those two, I just feel like Persona 5 and Zelda appeal to such different parts of my brain. Uh, I think Persona 4 stimulates my need for nuanced storytelling and cutting-edge design, whereas Zelda is more Persona like... Persona 5. <laughs> Zelda's catering to my craving for adventure. Like, it just feels so... I mean, it's called Breath of the Wild, but it feels so wild. It's a breath of fresh air. It is, yeah. And they're, Would you they're say both... you're feeling the call of the wild? I am! Mm. Yeah, they're complimentary experiences, I think. We don't yeah. have to... Pay no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, uh, you know, I was not very excited for Zelda. I think my th- my thoughts on Skyward Sword are, you know, harsh. Uh, but I really enjoyed uh, the sense of adventure in A Link Between Worlds, and it feels like they, you know... They've just blown up the adventure part of it, and as I said to everybody on the show floor, I have nothing bad to say about that game. Like, I just want to play it, and I hope it turns out as amazing as it looked and as it demoed, and I think, you know, Nintendo's had a rough couple of months, and they showed something that looked pretty freaking sweet. So... I think that's going to do it for this uh, E3 2016. It's over. It's done with. We now have to wait a whole year to do it again. No! Everybody get excited. It, it's going to happen. Uh, coming up, you guys. Hype it's train. Only, uh, the hype train right 11 and a half months away. That's coming yeah. up, right? It, it, it shows up quick. It, it feels like you never left, though. When you get there, it feels like I was just here. Like what? Because everything looks the same. It's the same building. It's the same Starbucks. It's like everything just feels the same. It, it's, it's weird. It, it is very surreal to go there, but I love it. And I loved seeing all you guys. I loved meeting new people. I loved meeting old people. Being with being with my bed buddy Derek, as always. Aww. Aww. Thanks, Derek. buddy. Yeah. Can that be part of our awards thing? Best bed buddy was definitely Derek. Yeah. Cuddle Aww. buddies. Cuddle buddy goes I to you guys. In the other in the other room, we all slept separately. I mean, we're he, he would not let me Derek. sleep. He would not let me cuddle him, but that's that's okay. Oh, it's not that I wouldn't let you. <laughs> That's weird, too, because at MAGFest earlier this year, Derek was a cuddle monster. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, like he was yeah. unstoppable. 
Thank you, <laughs> like everyone. James oh. of cuddling. Oh my god! Except, except, he, was, James except of he was not wearing a sleeved shirt, which is does that mean? He, does that mean he never gets called for traveling? Like, what does that mean right now? Like, well, I mean, nobody gets nobody gets called for traveling. Yeah, nobody, yeah, hardly ever. Nobody calls traveling anymore. All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh, be sure to, as always, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, give us positive reviews. We love to get feedback. Derek, how's that mailbag looking? Still nothing. What the hell, you guys? <laughs> send me. I told you I'd read your poem on the air. Uh, I know. I can't really think of any other attractive offers. Like I'm not gonna shave my head because I don't have hair anyway. So I don't know what you expect from me, listeners. But um, please, if you would like to say anything to us, we are here listening. You can send us an email, podcast at rpgfan.com. You can also tweet at us. Uh, we're at rpgfancom, and uh, I'm sure Steph would be more than happy to pass that along to us. So. Yeah. And, uh, Please talk to us, because I think we might have four listeners now. I think we may have, I think we may have three or four. <laughs> uh, I think the next episode is going to be a really good one, because uh, we've got zero time dilemma to talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, man. I'm not going to be on that episode, because I'm going to be too busy playing zero time dilemma. And Tokyo Mirage <laughs> Sessions. And uh, Caitlin and I will probably kill each other, because I've been playing a lot of Blood and Wine. And, um, Yeah. Why would I kill you for playing that? Because I'm gonna complain about The Witcher again. Ah! I know, I know. I yeah, it's, just just hit repeat on all my complaints about the so combat again. I'll do what you Please do. Please look forward I'm to discussing, it. Like whenever I'm discussing a Falcom game, you usually put yourself on mute and grab <laughs> a glass of scotch because you're an asshole. So I'll just do that when you talk about yeah, you, you, you noticed when, when the four of us were talking about Tales of Berseria, there was yep. one person noticeably missing from the conversation? Yep. There's one I person noticed that, it every time it happened. There's one person that went, I don't even know what that game looks like. I couldn't pick it out if, I, if you funny. asked me to. What does WRPG stand for again? Western RPG. Whack RPG. Well, what, is, ah. what, is, what does CRPG stand for again? That's that's more of the computer style of like a right. oh, game. I hate okay. all of I gotcha. <laughs> right. Ah, anywho, thank you everybody for listening to the show, and we will see you all later.